all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Okay. <laughs> I worked on that one. <laughs> I'm uh, Rachel. I'm, and I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. And our intros are getting even more ridiculous yes. by the week. <laughs> They're getting sillier as, as the time goes on. Um, Housekeeping. We had some new reviews. Yes, we did. Thank you so much. They were mostly nice. <laughs> a couple were very complimentary. Yeah. So thank you very much. That's very nice. Our um our listens have been pretty solid lately too. Just a lot of people tuning in. So thank you. Yes, thank you very much. And even for the three star review, I don't mind that at all. That's good. I'm a little more sensitive than you are, <laughs> I guess. No, because the way I look at it is, if we had five stars across the board. That's it. It would seem. What are we doing wrong? It would seem generic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's okay if people don't like us Mm -hmm. or are trying to, like the three star review. Like I'm trying, but I can't get past certain things. That's okay. Said we get more juvenile (laughs) timers on. I wonder what gave that away. (laughs) Maybe our intros. No, well. I uh, there's a difference between juvenile and goofy and there fun. Is, yes. I'm a goofy person yes, sometimes. So anyway, um, anyway, rate, review, subscribe if you have not already. Tell all your friends. And Jeff, I know you're flossing right now. Hello, <laughs> Hello Jeff. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll just let that one settle. Okay. We'll explain it some other time. No, we'll never explain <laughs> it. Um. Shout out to my friend Aubrey. I promised her I would. We had dinner last night. Promised her I'd shout her out. She's a loyal listener, so thank you, Aubrey. Um, elsewhere, elsewhere in housekeeping, um, our loyal listener Quincy. Quinn Quincy. Ah, yes, is, is getting married. Yes, I think Has, as we speak, or either just... Yeah, like is getting married Yeah, like possibly right this now. moment, yeah. or at least like in the within wedding the, celebration. Within the past hour, I would think. Yeah, something like that, because yeah. 24 hours ago, he was saying 24 hours from now, so congratulations to you and your lovely husband. May you have many happy returns. That's birthdays, right? Anyway, congratulations. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> yes, cheers to you. Um... Uh, did it do? Oh, also, <laughs> there was. I wanted to shout out because we haven't. Well, I guess we have a couple weeks ago, but um, shout out our friend Akshay from yes. Blood on the Rocks. He, uh, I listened to a couple of his episodes um, whilst binging many podcasts on the 13 hour drive from Miami back to Raleigh on Thursday. And uh, I listened to an episode. That I forget what the term for it was, but anyway, it was really interesting. It was about a period in history where, like, it was something ridiculous, like a 20-year period they went through 12 different popes or something ridiculous. It was a very interesting uh, well, period it's, of it's, history. it's either the Dark Ages or the Age of Enlightenment. It was like the it's, 800s to the 900s okay, was so the it's, time. So it's neither of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was old, <laughs> but... But he posted a really great, um, like, outtake from it of him trying to 
pronounce the word ecclesiastical, which in all fairness Ecclesiast- is... Ecclesi- <laughs> ecclesiastical. Is yes, that it? That's ecclesiastical. It. Ecclesiastical. What does that mean? It means like of the church, of the high church. Um, but, but like, is it a... It must be like a high position. No, it's an something. adjective to describe something like of the oh. high church. Like the, um, Ec- I don't know. Ecclesi- ecclesiastical? Yes, you inadvertently sound like Akshay on his outtake. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny, though. There I, are many syllables in that word. There are. <laughs> and the funny thing, like, first of all, I appreciate the transparency because Akshay puts together a really well-polished show. Like, he does way more editing than we do. We just leave in all our shit. Um but a, a lot of our indie pod friends do a really great job editing. Like, they clearly spend way more time than I do. And I appreciate that because, it, like, they get a great polished product. Um, but it was fun for him to share sort of the behind the scenes. Sure. And pronouncing a word that, like, I knew what he was trying to pronounce immediately, but because I grew up in the church, I know what the word ecclesiastical mean. There's a book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes. So, like, I, I understood. Ecclesiastes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyway, it was super fun. That's all to say, Akshay's a great guy. Yes. Very fun, funny, and his show is excellent. And if we're ever in England, we will meet up. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Because England's not that big. No, not compared to the so, U.S. So, so we don't have much of an excuse. Yeah, yeah. And I also just wanted to mention um, that that uh, last podcast on the left just finished a three-parter on, I almost said Kyle Kuklinski again, <laughs> Richard Kuklinski. And it's Kyle Kuklinski. And it's Kyle Kuklinski, yes. Um, the Ice, otherwise known as the Iceman, Ice a hit, a notorious um, hitman for the New York mob who killed like over 200 people and tortured and he enjoyed killing over 200 people. I saw, and they played some clips from it in the mm-hmm. first two episodes. I don't think they did it all in the third because I finished listening it, listening to it today. Um, but I saw the, the documentary that HBO did the interview with him. Mm. I want to say that came out when I was like either a junior or senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And i I watched all those HBO documentaries back in the day. Mm-hmm. And that was also at a time when seemingly everybody had, had HBO. HBO. I know, right? We did too. Yeah, we when, watched Bay Bar. When everything went to like a cable box, it seemed like people dropped. But anyway. But I remember watching those um, documentaries on him and I was just like, this dude's like all-time level creepy. Yes. <laughs> a very, just, very bad dude. Yeah. Not so. somebody you ever want to run into, even in the best of circumstances. Mm -hmm. Like, you want him, you know, five ways away from your life. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, you never want him to be in I was like, I lived in the same state as him. Like, that makes me feel creepy. I was a little kid. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so if you're into true crime, which I feel like there's a lot of overlap between what we do and true crime, that was a really good series. And I've been listening to, I mean, they're like, they're huge right now, but, like, number two on iTunes. But um, there's a good Australian podcast called The Teacher's Pet out right now about a cold oh. case of a woman who went missing. I was pretty much sure that her husband killed her. Like, a very, very creepy, creepy husband that killed never, her. That never happens. <laughs> yeah, never. Um, anyway, it's nobody's good. Nobody has ever done a five-part documentary on creepy husbands who may or may have not... <laughs> Would slain you, two people. Would you be referring to one um, Orenthal James Simpson? I, I am, yes. 
But Excellent documentary, by the way. If you, I've watched it. 10 times? Oh, more. Like, there was a period where that was all you watched for, like, six weeks. It's so good. So if you, ha- if you have not seen O.J. Made in America, oh, right. yeah. definitely check it out. It was on Hulu for a little bit, but I don't think it's on there anymore. Okay. There's, um, the thing I like about Teacher's Pet is it's basically ongoing. It wasn't, like, set in stone what the series would be like. And when the series came out, it started affecting, like, real life people who would come out and start talking about it and the prosecutor's office would comment and things like that. So it's really dynamic. I'm like, I don't know, like 12 episodes in and I think there's like 12 more left. It's a really long series, but it's very good. And it leaves me, if I binge it a bunch. It's like a Ken Burns podcast. (laughs) Basically. Except it's not Ken Burns. It's like the next generation of Ken Burns. Right, of Australian Ken Burns. (laughs) um, It's Ken Burns' Australian offspring. (laughs) Yeah. After I binge it, I, like, have feel like, speaking in an Australian accent, I feel like if we moved to Australia, I would pick up the accent like that. I think I would, I think it would happen. Anyway. I'd be done with that. <laughs> You'd be done with that? I'd be done. <laughs> here, here, here. I would have to start going, here, Oh, no. Or, um, here, good day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. We should probably get to the let's topic. Get, let's at, get to the topic at hand. At this point. <laughs> so I sort of let uh, it... Almost ten minutes I in. I know. <laughs> Inane banter, I get it. Um, so we sort of... I sort of let it slip inadvertently last night at dinner with Aubrey and Jeff and Luke and Betty. I um, I just know what the disaster is. I have no idea of the details, the when, the where, the what. Right. So I let it slip because Aubrey was asking what it was, and I forgot that you were sitting right next to me <laughs> and that we usually keep it a surprise. We but... have a healthy marriage. She <laughs> forgot I was sitting right next to her. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> but uh, I just said that it was a submarine disaster. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it is. Um, are there any notorious submarine disasters you I'm, know of? I'm just gonna guess this is coming from the World War II era. That's a that's a very good guess. It is coming from a war era, but we are going Cold War on this. Oh, one. that sounds so, like even more fun. This. I'm sure this was swept under the carpet when it happened. Well, we'll get into that. We'll get to that. that. We will. Um, so this is the story. Of K-219. So that's the name of the submarine, or okay. the number of the submarine, K-219. On October 3rd, 1986, an explosion aboard Soviet submarine K-219 sunk the sub and killed four people, with an additional two dying later due to health complications related to the explosion. All right? 1986. 1986. October 3rd, 1986. Okay. So I was nine years old. I was not yet two. (laughs) (laughs) I was like two months shy of two. So so this has a small death toll compared Mm -hmm. to some of the carnage we have covered. One of our smaller hashtag body counts. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing that... There's a few things that made this, I feel, like worth covering. I'm... Any loss of life is bad, obviously. I'm not meaning to minimize it on that front. But there is a lot of Cold War intrigue in in this story. It is kind of a fascinating story. And um, 
kind of the main reason I started researching it was because this is, and credit where it's due, 100% a listener-suggested topic. I would not have heard of this otherwise. Um, and it was it was suggested by our loyal listener, Teddy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Teddy, the female mail carrier. Yes. The female mail carrier. Female mail carrier. <laughs> That's hard to say for some reason. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the other word that we were testing out earlier. Oh, ecclesiastical? Yeah. I'm done with that one. I said it twice. <laughs> you did. Um, and so thank you, Teddy. Uh, a lot of times, first of all, we love listener suggestions. Keep them coming. We will always shout you out. Um, even if it's multiple people. And that's the thing. Like, a lot of times, we'll kind of get the same suggestions. Fair enough. There are some really great disasters. That's a terrible way to put it. But some really fascinating disasters out there. Famous ones. Yeah. Or or just interesting. You yeah. know, people want to know more about. So, um, so there, there's overlap sometimes. This was... I, no one else had mentioned this, but Teddy. Um, and it's at the top of her list for topics. And so we're covering it. I think it... It ended up being a great story, too. Um, It's personal to Teddy, too, because she was stationed in the Navy not not very far from where K-219 sank when this happened. Yeah, and we'll get a little bit more into that. Okay, that makes it even more interesting. So I decided actually to get into a little bit of what Teddy did in the Navy because I found it really fascinating. So she worked um, with, she was part of the Navy's SOSUS community, S-O-S-U-S. Um, so I wanted to kind of go into this a little bit because it's very interesting and, and related, you know. Um, so SOSUS is an acronym for Sound Surveillance System. You know, sound, S-O-S-U-N-S. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically <clears throat> a network of what they call listening posts, which are meant to track submarines. So... Uh, the origins of SOSIS came from post-World War II uh, because the U.S. was really skeeved out by the threat of Soviet submarines. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially in the nuclear age. We had a very tough time with German submarines in World War II. Yes, the U-boats, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. U-571 still, like, I would say up there for me in favorite movies. I saw it at, like, a really Pretty good movie. time. I yes. thought it was really good. Um, probably not... All that accurate and all of its because it was based on a true story. It but, was, you know. Um, so it was the beginning of the Cold War. The U.S. formed the Committee for Undersea Warfare, which just sounds really cool. <laughs> um, there had been a lot of advancement in sonar and other acoustic technology, so like basically using sound to find and track and map things that you couldn't see. And the Office of Naval Research contracted AT&T to develop an undersea surveillance system. It was codenamed um, Project Jezebel. Uh, but there, oh, were, okay. yeah, there were other ones uh, related to it. I think there was a Project Caesar and a Project Michael. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, Caesar, okay. Caesar Michael Jezebel. <laughs> yeah. Full name. Um, anyway, the first full-size prototype of the SOSUS SOSUS installation was deployed off Eleuthera in the Bahamas in early 1952. Turned out to be really successful, so they installed a whole bunch of them throughout the Atlantic and the Pacific. So the installations themselves were basically uh, like long arrays of hydrophones, which are underwater microphones. Like okay. literally just microphones, you know? Um, that were connected to cables offshore. So 
and they weren't just like placed willy-nilly obviously they're like in places that are meant to pick up the best sound like from a topographical point of view or whatever um and it worked like they were able to pick up like the positions of Soviet submarines, and they also were able to find some wrecked American subs using okay. these installations too. SOSIS was classified until after the Cold War, although it was kind of considered an open secret at that point. But regardless, our friend Teddy was a total badass who was involved in a classified Cold War branch of the navy which is really cool i would love to be able to claim that <laughs> i know but right I, but i never will be able to <laughs> no not at this point i don't think <laughs> no but so thank you teddy and yes. your story is super fascinating and if you want if you feel like telling us more or elaborating we'll 100 percent read that because it's it's very fascinating and if we got anything wrong let me know obviously and i will corrections corner it so uh, so we're going to kind of set the stage for the whole K219 drama. So it's 1986, very much still in the throes of the Cold War, although it won't be long until it's over, it's just a few years before the Berlin Wall comes down. Rocky Five was just a year old, so the, the Cold War fervor was at a pitch. <laughs> oh, or Rocky Five, a- I said Rocky Five, I meant Rocky Four. Wow, that was a bad mistake. Rocky well, okay. Rocky Four is when he fights Ivan Drago. I saw one and two. Oh, you got so to see the see difference. Four. Do I really? Yes, you I do. I don't think I do. Yes, you do. <laughs> if you want to understand mm-hmm. the cold... Actually, and I'm not even really BSing. Really? It helps explain it? If you it? kind of want to have an understanding of the vibe of the Cold War, mm-hmm. not a bad movie to go to. Really? I, honest to God. Okay. It has a cheesy ending. Uh, well, it's Rocky. Yeah. But the whole kind of, you know, vibe that was going on at the mm-hmm. time, it represents it pretty well. Like the tension. Yes. The, okay. All right. Well. Go sly. <laughs> so uh, a submarine, it's 1986, Cold War, a submarine belonging to the Soviet Union, K-219, is in the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, so K-219 was a Yankee-class submarine, which was also called a Navaga-class submarine because a Navaga was a kind of fish mainly found in Russia, so it was, like, named after a fish. I don't know why that hand motion works. It's a fish, you know, swimming. Um, It was a type of nuclear ballistic missile submarine that was first made in 1967. Now, I don't know why, but... I'm not sure I knew or put together... That submarines could fire off nuclear... Yes. Yes, they can. (laughs) They've been able to for a long time. Oh, clearly, yes. Clearly. Like, since basically after World War II. One of the main things that Trump got harped on when he was running for president Mm -hmm. is that he didn't know what the nuclear triad was. What is the nuclear triad? It is sea, air, and land where you can fire off a nuclear missile. Oh, out of any of those yes. places. Well, those are the only options. Right. So but <laughs> anywhere. He, but he didn't. But he didn't know okay, that. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. And I, I agree. A presidential candidate should know that. Um, but it is a little ridiculous that they have a special name for it when it's just like, where can where can a nuclear missile be launched anywhere? Well, <laughs> that's only anywhere. that's only for like a couple of countries. That's not for everybody. 
But we no, can, I just we can mean do all in three. general the options sure. of land, sea, and air. Yeah, what that's, that's, space that's it. is space. the other option? Yes, <laughs> space force. Oh God. <laughs> so, I I didn't I didn't realize this, but it, like so these subs carry missiles, projectiles that can launch out of the water. Yeah. I mean, obviously in the water too, mm-hmm. but out of the water, mm-hmm. like, and just come shooting out of the water. I don't know. Yeah, it's some, it cr- it's some crazy like, technology. Yes, it yeah. strikes me as both terrifying and kind of funny. I yeah, don't know why. Kind of cool. Okay. To me. It would be cool if they didn't blow people up. They rarely do. But, 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 they, <laughs> but they can if they need to. Okay. Now it's all drones that blow people yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So these are called SLBMs, or Submarine-Launched Ballistic Missiles. Um, They're similar to Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles, ICBMs, which are launched from the land, Mm -hmm. um, and which is what we might be more familiar with because that's what we're scared shitless that Kim Jong-un has. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, at least here in America, because... Damned if we're not going to be the first ones to go if anybody gets pissed. <laughs> Our problem is we are very close to the capital city. Washington, D.C. Oh, is us only, personally? Yes. Yeah. Washington, D.C. is we'd only, be in the fall only 175, <laughs> 200 miles away. Yeah, we'd be in the fall yeah. Um I do, I do think about that occasionally. Really? <laughs> yes. I try not to. <laughs> so... These missiles, both SLBMs and ICBMs, have a crazy long range. The longest range ICBM is somewhere in the 16,000 kilometer arena, which is about 10,000 miles. Wow. Yeah. I'm guessing that's us that has that. I don't remember. I did look at the chart that like explained who had yeah, it and whatever. That. It's like us, Russia, and that might be it. Who knows? Yeah, well, we don't know what North Korea has. <laughs> no, <we don't. laughs> um, and the longest range SLBM, so the submarine one, is near 12,000 kilometers Holy or 7,500 miles. That You could clear the entire crazy. continent. Yes. Yeah. From a submarine. North America. Yeah. with From a missile submarine. Yes. Uh-huh. Holy so shit. I'm yeah. guessing that's also us that has maybe just us that has that technology. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I hope. All I can say is I'm <laughs> glad I'm kind of like a human species nihilist because clearly we're all gonna kill each other one day. We're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. It'll be better for the animals that way. Anyway. And the planet. Yeah. Um the Yankee class subs didn't have missiles that could go quite that far. Um, they had 16 SLBMs total on board, each with a range in the 2,800 to 4,600 kilometer ballpark, so 1,700 to 2,900 miles. So these were, quote, shorter rates. Still pretty fucking far. 2,900 <laughs> miles is almost the entire east-west yes, it is. of, of the uh, measurement of America. It's like from here, it's like from the coast of here to the coast of California. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a week to drive that far. <laughs> yeah, this thing's coming out of a freaking submarine. It's yeah, just like, launching. Sp- yeah. Um, so, the Yankee-class subs were developed by the Soviet Union to keep up with the subs that had been developed by the U.S. Navy in America and the, and the Royal Navy in England. Um, so, quick sidebar on submarines. Do you find them terrifying? I find them kind of terrifying. Like, the thought of being inside of a submarine. Yeah, that would be terrifying as fuck. Just, just even just to... Oh, just be in it. Yeah. 
Yeah, like everything, it's not wartime or anything. Yeah, We're just imagine going being for a, in it during a war. Fuck oh my god. That. So speaking of U571, that movie did a great job at like solidifying why I'm so scared of them. Like the I'm not a claustrophobic person. I'm really not, but it feels like a buried alive type situation. Well, I mean, if you uh, like if you get if your ship gets damaged in any sort of way, you're basically fucked. More or less, because you're mean, just going to really, take on water and sink. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the pressure and just, yeah. That, so, remember that scene in U571 when mm-hmm. the rivets are, like, popping? Yeah. Because they're trying to go so low that they won't be detected, yeah. and it's, like, too much pressure for the sub. Yeah. That's what I think of when I think of submarines, and they're really so, scary. Yeah. I would I would go on one that was on land as, like, a museum. Like, we or, raised the... <laughs> or or at the surface because they yeah. can they can I was gonna say fly at the surface they can sail <laughs> at the surface float sail right yeah either sub, way sub sail but um I would do that but well I I would never have the chance to go in a submarine underwater I'm oh, pretty sure you have to be in the military yeah. to do that so yeah but anyway yeah so this whole story makes me a little like claustrophobic just, just sure. thinking about it but anyway I digress um. So Yankee-class subs were put to use by the Soviet Union in the, in the Atlantic, the Pacific, and the Arctic Ocean uh, starting in the 60s. One of the patrols that these subs were constantly on was in the Atlantic Ocean just east of Bermuda. So geography corner. I always thought like Bermuda was basically the Bahamas, but it's totally not. Um, Bermuda is an island kind of in the middle of the Atlantic, more or less, about a thousand kilometers or 665 miles east, sort of southeast of Cape Hatteras, which is part of really? our okay. Outer Banks, the North Carolina Outer Banks. I didn't realize Banks. it was that yeah. far away either. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it, it's. I didn't realize it was that far north. Sure. I mean, it's it's mostly <clears throat> due east of us, yeah, a little almost, south. Um, I was going to say but, almost directly. Yeah, a l- but a little south. But yeah. So anyway, and the, the Outer Banks. In North Carolina are a thin chain of um, barrier islands, for those who don't know, that will likely disappear with climate change <laughs> and beach erosion and whatnot. Oh, hello, Demetrius. Sorry. Cute, very adorable, cute cat here to pet. He's being nice for once. <laughs> All right. So uh, K-219, one of the Yankee-class subs, was about... 15 years old when it was sent out on an operational mission on September 4th, 1986. The commander was Captain Second Rank Igor Britanov. So much Russian to, so many Russian names to pronounce today. That was very good. Thank you. Or I was going to say Danko, but that's Danka. not it. Spresiva. Is that what it is? Spresiva, I think so. Uh, Supa. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I saw it in a documentary and I can remember it. I think it means yes. It does mean yes. Super. Yeah, super. I know, yet. That was uh, Yugoslavian. It was one of the ESPN okay. documentaries. Vladi Divac. Who's Vladi Divac? He, uh, he played for the Lakers and the Kings oh, okay. in the 90s. Basketball player. Yeah. Gotcha. But he was from uh, Yugoslavia, which became... Right. Uh, Czech... Czech Republic? Czech Republic? No. no. God damn it. Serbia and... Uh. Bosnia. Bosnia. Herzegovina. I, I should know this, my God. <laughs> Sorry. Hopefully, we didn't we'll remember that. to edit that out. <laughs> I'm so, better, I'm much better at American history than world history. Yeah. That says something about America, too, doesn't it? <laughs> um, 
So the commander was Captain Second Rank Igor Britanov, and the executive officer was Captain First Rank Igor Kurdin. So Igor is like Yuri. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. just a bunch yes. of them. Yes, a lot of them. Um, Alexei. Yeah. Vladimir. Mm-hmm. Also on board for the mission were 31 officers, 39 warrant officers, and 49 seamen. So if I'm doing my math correctly and understanding who's included in what group, like if they're counting the CO or not, I, I don't know. It's like, it's 120 or 121 people, and I think Wikipedia said 120, so we'll go with 120. There's roughly 120 people on board K219. Um, and K219 was kind of in like a personnel flux at the time of this mission. A bunch of the officers had been swapped out, so it wasn't exactly like everybody knew everybody and was used to working with everybody. Not that that specifically comes into play. It, it's just a fact of the circumstances. And while Captain Britanov was um, a very experienced officer in the VMF, which was the Soviet Navy, or it probably not still, they probably renamed everything. Anyway, um, this type of submarine wasn't the kind of submarine he was used to sailing. Not that he wasn't doing, again, not that he wasn't doing a good job. It was just, things were a little off kilter. Well, he didn't have his, he didn't have his normal crew and he wasn't, Captaining his normal he type of sub. Yeah, basically. So, I mean, not that it's going to throw him off that much, but right. it's just, it's an adjustment. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, not what he's used to. Right. So, K219 was assigned to patrol the Sargasso Sea, which is a region of the Atlantic Ocean. So, it's not like its own, you know, like there's the Pacific, there's the Atlantic, the Indian Ocean, all that. This It wasn't its own ocean, per se. It was It's part of... Um, the northern Atlantic Ocean. And it's kind of interesting in and of itself because it makes up a substantial portion of the Atlantic. And unlike most traditional like seas or oceans, it doesn't have land boundaries. It's delineated by um, the fact that it's essentially a giant ocean gyre, which is any large system of circular ocean currents. So the Sargasso Sea specifically has the Gulf Stream on the west side, the Canary Current on the east side, the North Atlantic Current on the north, and the North Atlantic Equatorial Current on the south. So all of these currents move the water in like a counterclockwise motion. And that's um, that's what makes the gyre. Kind of like what we saw in that one part of Niagara Falls. Remember when we took the... Yeah, the whirlpools. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah, it's almost like... Except it's huge. Oh, it's much bigger. And it doesn't like suck anything right. down it. it it's still, just uh, the motion of still, the It sounds like a currents. fucking dangerous as hell part of the ocean. I don't know how dangerous it is per se. That actually doesn't come into play in this story. Oh, okay. So I don't know. Um, but anyway... Uh, and and so this this giant gyre is called the North Atlantic Gyre, and that's what creates the Sargasso Sea. And the Sargasso Sea is named because of the sargassum weed that is prevalent in the gyre. So K two nineteen reached the Sargasso Sea after thirty days of sailing, um, ending up. Okay, so here's where there's a little bit of controversy. I saw a couple of conflicting things, like a map that showed one one position of where the the ship was during, or the sub was during this uh, disaster, and a description that described a different location. I think I'm more inclined to go with the map than the description. I think the description may have just 
been referring to like where they were before or or maybe where it sank. I'm not sure. Anyway. Go with your gut. Yeah. So I think they were about 400 nautical miles, which is like 460 miles or 740 kilometers east, southeast of Bermuda. So they were farther out. Um, And Bermuda is on the western edge of the Sargasso Sea, like on the Gulf Stream side. So anyway, um, at any rate, Teddy was stationed in Bermuda at the time of the disaster. So she was only a few hundred miles away from this when it happened. Now, a few hundred miles is a distance, but when you're talking about the ocean... Like, it's barely, yeah. <laughs> it's not so far, no. you know. To be, like, 400 miles away from something that's happening in the ocean really isn't all that far. No. So, so yeah. Um, so, on Friday, October 3rd, 1986, at 5.01 a.m., K219 began descending to its patrolling depth of 85 meters, which is, like, 280 feet down. That's a, that's a ways down, though. It, it sure is. Yeah. And it was doing its thing, submarining in the ocean, um, <laughs> if that's a verb. Less than, it is now. Yes, it is. Less than 15 minutes later, around 5.14 a.m., an officer and an engineer on the sub saw water dripping from missile tube number six. So water dripping on board a submarine is bad news. Water dripping from a missile tube on a nuclear submarine is worse news. Um, So they pre-compressed the plug on the missile. I have no idea what that means, but apparently it's what caused this action. The drips became a whole stream of water. So it's clearly leaking. Um, So what what happened was that the seal on the hatch... Of the um, of the missile, so there was like a it's like a, a it's door. like a missile silo essentially. Yeah, kind of. so there's a hatch, yeah. a door that opens if you're going to yeah. launch the missile. Well, it's sealed. That's what was that's what was leaking. There. Yes, but that's, the oh. the the seal failed. So that's not good. No, um, at five twenty five a.m., the officer reported this whole issue to the captain because they did the whole pre compression thing, and then it became like a whole stream of water, like shit told the captain, and the captain um, decided to ascend to 46 meters or 150 feet. I'm guessing that's to reduce the pressure. Probably. On the yeah. on the sub, and also be closer to the surface if something, if something goes, goes awry. wrong. Awry. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so that makes sense. They also tried to pump water out of the missile tube. Sure. So, um, Yeah, you're anyway. kind of, I'm guessing at that point you're doing whatever you can to... Mitigate it? Yeah. Yeah, like, and and here's the crazy part. This wasn't the first time that this happened on this sub. I'm not even saying that, I'm I'm definitely not saying the same crew. Sure. Just on the sub itself, like on K219, this had happened on a previous mission that had resulted in another explosion. Okay. And what they did was they... They just welded shut and sealed off mm. that missile tube. But jeez, apparently jeez. it was a bigger problem. Jeez, where have we heard that before? Maybe with a plane? Yeah. <laughs> the the Air Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, oh, we'll, we'll just, just, we'll just yeah. weld it shut. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. So clearly this was a bigger problem than just one missile tube. 
So when the seawater that was leaking through the hatch got into the missile tube, it reacted with traces of missile fuel, which produced chlorine gas and nitrogen dioxide gas. So anyone who's ever been to a swimming pool... (laughs) Knows just how like nasty and strong chlorine smells. So imagine imagine that in gas form, and um, both chlorine gas and nitrogen dioxide gas can cause respiratory problems. So they're, they're heavy. yeah, they're they're <laughs> yeah. very irritating um, gases. Not to mention yeah. the fact that they are flammable. So And you're also in a submarine, and you really can't escape the fumes. No, no, yeah. So at 5.32 a.m., brown clouds of gas began <sighs> leaking out of the missile tube. It was brown because of the nitrogen dioxide, the oxid- oxidation. Yes, oxidation. Um, so at this point, the officer was like, oh, shit, and sounded an accidental alert in the mis- missile compartment. So the protocol for initial damage control in this case included hermetically sealing, so making airtight uh, the compartments, and so that the idea was to try to contain whatever disaster was potentially happening. Um, however, nine people remained in that compartment with the leaky missile, um, and then at 5.38 a.m., so this is like 24 minutes after they found the leak, uh, there was an explosion. God. Two sailors in the missile compartment died like that just instantly, and another one died very quickly from inhalation of the fumes, of the toxic fumes. God. So. Um, so. Black smoke started billowing out of the compartment, and then that was followed by water and rocket fuel, which started pouring out of the pipes and leaking after the explosion. Captain Britanov immediately called for an emergency ascent to the surface. Yeah. But the explosion caused a hole in the hull of the submarine. Yeah, of course. Water started flooding in which is basically my worst nightmare if I were in a submarine. And I imagine pretty much anyone else Or just too. on a boat, period. Yeah. I mean, oh, really. But if you're a boat, on a boat, at least you're at the sure. surface. Sure, but you never... This, you're uh, over 100 right. feet down. Oh, it's, it's much worse in this scenario, but seriously, if you're in a boat, you never want to be in a situation where of you're taking not. on water. Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. Um, so, because of this, the captain was trying to ascend... But K-219 immediately began to sink. Oh, shit. Uh, Descending below 300 meters or 980 feet. Yeah. 25 people had been trapped in one of those hermetically sealed compartments, and the captain let the chief engineer open the compartment and get get them out. Thankfully. Otherwise, this death toll would have... Would have been way worse. I'm trying to figure out how it's only six people? Nine. Who Nine were people. Well, because okay. they were getting people out of the sure, area. People were going to, like, the bow and the stern, trying to get away so from... So they're in a sinking submarine. Yes. How did... With leaking rocket How did fuel. everybody not die? Like, that's... Well, let's get into yeah. that. <clears throat> um, now, in the course of this whole incident, what should have happened as, like, an automatic system that kicks in... 
Like, no, nothing that any of the crew had to do, just, like, one of the m- m- missionist mechanism, mechanistics? Mechanisms? Yes. Of the... <laughs> <laughs> Of the, sh- the of the submarine, um, that was a much easier word than what we started out. This ecclesiastical, point. I can say no problem. <laughs> but anyway, um, what was supposed to happen was that their uh, scram should have kicked in. Remember that from our Chernobyl episode? Oh yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Because we're talking about a nuclear reactor yes. inside a submarine, so the scram protocol should have kicked in like that. Um, what did that stand for again? Because it was an well, acronym. It, it may have been an acronym, or it might have been a backronym. You know, where initially oh, it was just called okay. a scram because like sure. scram out of there. Um, but you're in a fucking submarine. Where are you gonna you're go? Not gonna, yeah. Um, so the whole point is there should have been an emergency shutdown system that started like automatically. It didn't. The instruments. Shocker. Yeah. The instruments on the sub showed that, no, the scram did not kick in, which meant that the reactor rods, remember those? Yes. The, co- the, co- down? the coolant rods. Yes, that slowed yes. down or stopped the um, nuclear reaction were not being inserted by this, this scram protocol automatically. It had to be manually oh, done. Manually inserted. And... Uh, so, yeah. What's more... Here, the, here we go again. The instrument panel was indicating that a nuclear meltdown was pretty much oh, about shit. ready to start. See, this is never something I've thought of on a nuclear-armed submarine, mm-hmm. but of course there could be a nuclear meltdown. Absolute Under and underwater the fucking ocean, yeah. Jesus. In the ocean, yeah. Yes. Holy fucking shit. So, this crew is standing there like... We're about to experience a nuclear meltdown. 300 meters, or not meters. Well, yeah, 300 meters, meters. Almost 1,000 okay. feet down in the Atlantic oh Ocean. Fucking God. So, a brave man named Lieutenant Nikolai Belikov went into the reactor compartment and was able to turn three of the four rods to get the, to try and slow down and stop the reactor. But then, because of all the smoke and everything, he ran of oxygen and passed out. Now, I he survived, so I imagine somebody what? pulled him out. Okay. I imagine he was pulled out or something. Sure. Um, so. Holy fuck. So there was one rod left, and a very brave 20-year-old seaman named Sergei Preminin volunteered to be the last one to go back and shut down the reactor completely. He went into the compartment with a gas mask, was able to insert the last rod, which was in and of itself not an easy feat because of all the heat. The rod had become warped, so it was apparently a very physically difficult job. So it was really remarkable what he did. Unfortunately for our hero, a large fire inside the compartment raised the pressure inside the compartment Causing a pressure imbalance from the compartment to to outside of the even, compartment. I'm not even sure if I want to know this next part. Neither he nor the crew on the other side of the door were able to open it, and poor Sergei died of asphyxiation mm. and was not able to get out of the reactor compartment. We'll get more into his bravery, but so he was fatality number four and the last of the on 
ship fatalities. Okay. The other two died later of, of complications. So, Captain, so they're a thousand feet deep, <laughs> taking on water, but at least in the, there's in the no, midst of a nuclear meltdown. But no, no, at this point, thanks they, they to, staved it off. Thanks to Nikolai and then yeah. Sergey, um, there was no nuclear but, meltdown. But there's still, happen. but they're still, fucked. they're still taking on water. Yes. Now, astoundingly, Captain Britanov was able to get K two nineteen to surface using battery power. Oh, okay. So he pulled some tricky maneuver and was, in spite of all the water it had taken on board. We learned on the uh, Air Canada flight as well that a plane can also go off of battery power, Mm -hmm. which was news to us. Right? Yeah. So so I imagine it was no easy feat, but they did it. Jesus. So they surfaced, and they were able to call in for help. And a Soviet freighter was called in to try to tow the submarine. Initially, so like there was a tow line in the whole thing, and it was going back to its home port of Gajevo. That sounds good. Which is Works a for me. far northern port town in Russia, basically a little east of northern Finland. So all the way, imagine oh, going yes. from okay. basically Bermuda all, all the way up and over. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a long trip. That imagine was going planned. from the middle of the Earth from to the top of the Earth. Just, I mean, just basically, about. Basically, basically, yeah. yeah. Now, kind of unsurprisingly, this did not turn out. <laughs> it didn't. The plan did not work. Um, it became so. The this is this is crazy. First of all. They kept the crew on board while it was being towed, which I don't know why they just didn't. Maybe it was to try well, and salvage the ship or something. But. There are certain people, I'm sure, or maybe it was everybody that had to stay on board because you have all sorts of duties and functions yeah, to maintain. Yeah, so, that still needed to be done, maybe. So that maybe. would be my guess is that they had to stay on board. But it started to become really dangerous on board because the missile compartment started leaking gas into other parts of the ship. So it was basically turning into a giant poisonous gas chamber. Um, So against orders, Britanov ordered his crew to evacuate and go to the freighter. Um, But he himself stayed on board. That makes sense. A captain with the ship, right? Now, the Soviet Navy higher-ups were very not thrilled with Britanov. They thought he should have been able to keep the whole situation under control, that he let things get out of hand, of course. Do they know what the fuck he just went through? Right? (laughs) It's a a miracle that that they are where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, And they ordered the submarine's security officer, Valerie Pshenichki, to get back on the ship after having been evacuated and, and take command. Yeah. But it was all a complete moot point because K-219 reached a tipping point and it's flooding. Captain Britanov made it off safe. He, he's fine. Really? Okay. Um, no, Remember, no more deaths on board. So Okay. Uh, yeah. And K-219 sank on October 6th, 1986, three days after the explosion. What the fuck? I've never heard about this at all. Oh, we're keep, we're talking we're about going. a fucking Russian nuclear submarine that almost had a meltdown in the fucking Atlantic Ocean, like at the not the height of the Cold War, but during but a still during mass time. Oh yeah, it was near the last gasp of the Soviet Union. So pretty that's pretty much a, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Because um, because remember, the Soviet Union is still in Afghanistan at this time, and that's kind of what mm, did them in in a roundabout way. Mm. They'd spent too much money on their military. Mm. So, wow. So, guess where K- K-219 is now? I hope it's still at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, it is. Yeah. With all the shit on board yeah. and everything. Um, it's on the bottom of the Hatteras Abyssal Plain. Now, I couldn't find the exact site, which maybe that's not an accident that that information is hard to find. I'm sure it's um, not. But for what it's worth... Uh, James Cameron's working on it right now. <laughs> right? In his little, whatever the... <laughs> right, whatever that little it. personal submarine <laughs> yes. that he did for Titanic? Yeah, that I remember crazy that. crazy motherfucker. No, he's got a new one now. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's still doing that. <laughs> Yes, it's, that is crazy. it started with Titanic. He's kept that going. He just likes it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's creepy. Um, he likes being on the bottom of the ocean for some reason, yeah. which is really the last place I think I'd ever want to be. It's up there for me. <laughs> yeah. Or it's down there. <laughs> it's down um, there for me. Yeah. So, but for reference, the Hatteras Abyssal Plain is basically the floor of the um, Sargasso Sea. Okay. So... Where we stand now, the wreck is basically like due east of us, probably. Sure, yeah. Maybe yeah. give or take some north or south, but anyway. Um, there's So there's some conspiracies and controversies we'll get into. And one of the things is about the wreckage. Um, so apparently in 1988, a Soviet research ship called the Keldish found K-219... What? Okay, keep going. What about Keldish? Just keep going. Okay. Yeah. Found K219 sitting, like, upright on the bottom of the ocean floor broken in two pieces with several of the missile tube hatches open and the missiles missing. So there's a lot of denial of this because of the relative impossibility of stealing missiles at 18,000 feet. On the ocean floor. Yeah. Um, and, but supposedly, like, hundreds of pictures were taken of the wreck, but nobody can find them or they're classified or what have you. I mean, this is the Soviet Union. It is. And we've said many times before in our, um... But there's still, in, but, but I... In our disasters. They're in international waters, are, are they not? What, does that matter? I would think so, because people would... Certain countries would be able to explore if they are. But that's the thing is that apparently this the really the only main one that did was another Russian okay. research vessel. So what were you going to say? The Keldish, I want to say, because uh-huh. I did see the movie Titanic several times. Okay. I, I do think it's a good movie. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it ruined my 13th birthday. Thank you very much. As far as like special effects go, like it was pretty cool. It really was. It anyway, doesn't stand anyway, up, but... I want to say, mm-hmm. and I'm not looking at... My phone is charging, so it's mm-hmm. not in my possession. I want to say that... Because remember Bill Paxton was in the movie, kind of? Yeah. He was He was oh, looking he was... he was looking for the safe at the very beginning of the movie that had the... With, with the old lady? Yes. Brings her aboard. But I, I want to say the ship that he was on was called the Keldish. When they were doing that exploration mission, when they bring the safe up to, yeah, and, he, and he's hoping that the diamond is in there and it's not. You're right. Yeah, it was I called just the Keldish. It, up. it was. It, it's yeah. this boat. It's, it's this the same ship. thing. It's this no ship. Ship. Yeah, because it is. 
It has its own Wikipedia article. It is a Russian scientific research vessel. vessel. Okay. It has made over 50 voyages and is best known as the support vessel of the Mir submersibles. I don't know what those are, but apparently it found K-219 and it found the Titanic. No or, shit. At, uh, or investigated the Titanic. I feel so smart. Very good. Good. <laughs> um, connecting of the dots. Excellent. So, yeah. Golf clap. A golf clap, or it might be a slow clap. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that, admitting that I've seen Titanic multiple times. Yeah, that's a little <laughs> disturbing. I saw it once. It was too long. I saw it on VHS because it had to be on two tapes. I saw it two different times in the theater. I did. I mean, it really was like a, in its time, it was like a, uh, as far as special effects sure. were pretty fucking amazing and i think they probably still hold up it came out on my 13th birthday like that's the same reason i don't like Lord yes, of the Rings. It did. some huge huge <laughs> two movies. huge movies because the other one being a franchise christmas, just before christmas is a big time mm-hmm. i was born six days before christmas it's a big movie time one of the recent star wars movies came out on my birthday that's right yeah and we went to go see it (laughs) we did i i'm good with that like that was kind of fun it was the last jedi yeah but i i hate titanic i'm sorry i don't like leonardo dicaprio yes i think he's talented but i think he's a sleazebag anybody who has the pussy posse is just an asshole And um, he had it when he was like sixteen. No, he still does. No, oh, does he? What's his name from That's Entourage? No, E or oh yeah, is, yeah, is in it. And, anyway. I can't remember. They're name. super Kevin gross Conway. people. Super gross people. Let's move on. Inane banter. Let's move on juvenile. From, the pussy, from the pussy posse. Yes, please. Let's do. <laughs> Never thought that would be a tie-in from a <laughs> Russian submarine, did you? <laughs> to the pussy posse. Yeah. So, a total of four men died on board K two nineteen. Captain Third Rank Weapons Officer Alexander Petrochkov. 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 Alexander Petrochkov. Very good. Thank you. Seaman Machinist Igor Karchenko. Karchenko. Seaman Weapons Division Nikolai Smag- Smagliuk. That wasn't the same guy. That wasn't the same Nikolai. Right? That was a different Nikolai. It is Russia. Yeah, Belikov. Nikolai's. Yes. And Sergei's. And Yuri's and Igor's and Sergei's, yes. And Seaman Reactor Team Sergei Preminen. See, I think your Russian is so much better because you've been hanging out with me for the past five years and there are a lot of Russian players in the NHL. Oh, that's true. That's true. And you're like, how do you pronounce that guy's name? Oh, there you go. Datsuk. There you go. Two others died later from health complications stemming from the explosion. I imagine it was oh, probably respiratory. I'm going to guess. Yeah. Um, Commander's Deputy Vladimir Karpachev and Captain Third Rank Communications Officer Vladimir Markov. So is this five and six? Those were five and six, yeah. Casual so piece. how did we get to nine? No, we, we never had nine. It was six in the beginning. Oh. Four died initially, two from health complications. The nine you're thinking of are the guys who got caught in the... Oh, okay. But they didn't okay. all die. Actually, yes. only three of them did. So, okay. Yeah. So, surprisingly, that's why, that's a lot why of them survived. I had survived. nine people in my mind for some reason. But. Now, Sergei Perminen, 20-year-old guy willing to risk his life and... And did so. And died, yes. Was posthumously awarded the Order of the Red Star for his bravery, which Order of the Red Star was like... 
kind of like a purple heart sure. for in America, like for valor, ba- bravery, uh, contribution. Congressional sure. Medal of Honor, probably. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, a high a high honor yeah. um, in the USSR. Purple heart is if you get wounded <clears throat> and live. Oh, oh okay. It's specifically you mm-hmm. live? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, he has several memorials and monuments dedicated to him, including he was nominated as a National Hero of Bermuda because it was well, sure. in relative proximity, yeah. you know? So, well, so, he didn't die in vain. No. That's for damn sure. No, and that's... that We'll save that for the end. Okay. So let's, let's, okay. let's move on. Let's move on to a couple other things and then we'll wrap it up, but... Um, Captain Britanov was charged with negligence, sabotage, and treason. What? Yeah. Well, he, this so is this is Soviet. Give Russia. it a second. So yeah. he he never went to jail. He was never imprisoned. The charges were eventually dropped in 1987, but he was dismissed from the Soviet Navy. So why was Britanov accused of shit like that when, like everything we just described, he didn't seem to make like bad moves or decisions. It seemed to be about right um well apparently there's a sort of alternate theory as to what happened to cause this explosion um this is alex jones and this is the, uh, this is the, well, the k291 this is the alternate explosion theory well so the theory mm. was that what really caused the problem in the missile tube in k219 was that the sub was hit by a u.s submarine like collided with the U.S. submarine called the USS Augusta. Gorbachev, Mikhail Gorbachev himself, basically insinuated this. I bet he did. Shortly after the explosion, he speculated the whole incident could have been sabotaged by the U.S. Like, that was his... Hey... He very heavily insinuated it. At this point in time, you can just throw that out there and... Plenty of people, enough people will believe it. He trumped it. He was like, people are saying. Yeah, people are saying that people we. People are uh, saying yeah. that this happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, this, is, this, this is Reagan Gorbachev. Yeah. Yeah, it is. This is a fucking crazy era. Yes. Of, uh, yes, it is. Of world US, history. Russia world relations. History. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The world was watching these <sighs> two countries two. Yeah, uh-huh. for quite a while. So this version of things was depicted in a movie called Hostile Waters. I bet it was. That came out at the same year as and was based on a book by the same name. The entire movie is on YouTube. <laughs> I was only joking about like the Alex Jones kind of thing, but this is exactly what it sounds Kinda. like they were trying to do, like Fo- like Fox News it. Yeah, before Fox News. <laughs> so the the whole movie of Hostile Waters is on YouTube. I didn't watch it. I just like <laughs> skimmed through a couple scenes. I'll watch the trailer. Teddy said it's awful, so. <laughs> and it stars Rutger Hauer. Oh yeah. As Captain Britanov, Martin Sheen. As the captain of the really? USS Aurora, quote unquote, meaning the ship they, they depicted as a collision. So, <laughs> okay. I mean, I think they do anyway. I think that was the whole Does point. Does Rucker Hauer play the Russian? Yeah, Captain okay. Britanov. Martin Sheen plays the U.S. captain. So yeah, it'd um, be funny if there was the opposite way around. Though. Yeah, and Max Va- Max von, von Sydow. Yes, Max von Sydow, the old priest in The Exorcist. Yes. Yeah, is in it too. Anyway, it looks bad. I think Teddy is right that it's terrible. Sounds like all three of those people were just looking for like <laughs> fifty grand, like just to get through the weekend. This is in '97 too. The, I think this that was maybe just prior to West Wing before Martin Sheen kind of hit it relevant again. 
Yeah. And also, just prior to, like, direct-to-DVD... This oh, this yeah. would have this would have been oh, a movie. It was an HBO movie. I was just going to it say was. this would have yes. been HBO or Cinemax. It was like a BBC mid- HBO thing at midnight on a Saturday. Yeah, it was a BBC it, HBO thing. I think that's funny. Anyway, at any rate, the U.S. Navy completely denies that that's what <laughs> well, happened, yeah. and so does Captain Britannoff. He was like, "No, this was just a <laughs> failure of the the now." If you would run into another fucking submarine... You would think there would be a <laughs> lot of evidence Even now. if it was just a scrape. Yes. Like, now... There would have been a lot more initial this damage. Was, this was cold. the Cold War. It is possible that things could have gotten covered up. I just feel something like that would not... The Russians would have acted kindly towards it, wouldn't have tried to sweep it under the... I don't think it's... I think this is exactly what for it is, me, like conspiracy it just, theory. For me, it's just there would have been a lot more initial damage. A mm-hmm. lot more. It wouldn't have been a fucking leak if two ships had even collided a little bit. Well, I mean, there was a hole in the hull, but that was the explosion. Yeah. Was the idea. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I try not to give too much credence <laughs> to, um, to conspiracy theories, but it's a big theory that's out there, so I just wanted to mention it. There was a hole in the hull. Oh, it was before it exploded. And then people are saying it might have exploded, and then it did explode, and then it didn't explode in space. And that's where the aliens came down <laughs> and got into this submarine. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> I didn't know where to go from there. I could tell. I was just going to leave you out I'm not, there. I'm not that full of shit. <laughs> I, was, so, I was a salesman for a long time, so I'm yeah. a little bit full of shit. But I, bit. I can't go to Alex Jones level full of shit. <laughs> Thank you. I would divorce you if you could. So in 2001, a few years after this movie came out, Captain Britanov sued Warner Brothers for basically like defamation, being like, sure. that. well, not just defamation, but like, you're depicting me. You didn't ask me for my permission. Well, that too. And yeah. you make it look like I'm a, I was incompetent and depicting things in a way that and they, they were like. We, we thought you'd never see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was on that two in the morning one night randomly. So it, it went to court and he. It took three years, but he won the case. That's Not funny. a ton of money, but he won the case. Remember, this is also like in the. Still in the infancy of the internet. Like, mm-hmm. now you could just pull up YouTube and there right. it is. But this is 2001? This went when to... He, it was 97 when the movie when it came happened. out. It was 2001 when, when he took him to court. Right. So you can't just... In 2001, you can't just pull up YouTube and be like, there it is. Right. Like, there's right. the movie. Like, yeah. You know. So... They had Russian HBO. <laughs> RBO. <laughs> it, came, it came out three years later at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so... Obviously, the Cold War continued for a few more years before the fall of the USSR. But had the 30 nuclear warheads inside K-219 gone off or melted down at 980 feet down in the Atlantic Ocean, it is very likely that the entire crew of K-219 would have died. Countless others would have been exposed to radiation. And that the entire fucking ocean might be radioactive. Yes, essentially. Jesus Christ. So, thanks to Sergei Preminen, we don't have to yes. worry about that Thank alternate you. reality. Fucking very much. It's it's like, rare it's rare we get like such a hero story. No, but no shit. Yeah. 
I mean, like, and, and the other guy, too. Not to diminish yes, what he did. No, not at all. Like, he was really trying. He got how three that, of the four. How that guy lived, I have no idea. I know. But the second guy... He had to have known. His friend passed out from had, it. The second guy had to have known he was going to die. Probably the first guy knew that, too. Mm. And somehow miraculously got out of it. Obviously, right. somebody pulled him out, right. like we were yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's necessarily speculation, because if you were... Right, how? If, you're, if you passed out. If you're passed out, out yeah. you can't move yourself. No. <laughs> so... No. I'm pretty sure the second guy was like, I'm going to die. But I'm going to save the world from a nuclear fallout. I cannot imagine making that fucking decision. Can you imagine that? I mean, and he was a 20-year-old kid. He was a kid. He was actually, um, I like, he has his own Wikipedia article. Fortunately, he should. Um, but he was, like, two weeks away from his 21st birthday. Well, he's probably been drinking vodka since he was 11 because <laughs> he's Russian and growing up during the Cold War. Well, you know but, that. But, but either way. Well, like, no, you know what? That, that could be part of it. There's, like, a, like communist and fascist countries like that's a terrible system of government but there is like a hardiness of the people that results i think and because shit's terrible so you're kind of there's got to be a little bit of a nihilistic view of things you know like okay shit's terrible like it's it's, i might die yeah yeah so it's it's it will be almost the same as getting up tomorrow yeah yeah. I'm, now, I'm not saying that at all to diminish what he did, because that was no. really fucking brave. And there were 120 people on board that ship, and he was the one guy who got up and was like, I'll do it. Yeah. Tell me what to do. I'll go do it. And it, it said, what I read, like, he had to get special instructions from the engineer, which means that the engineer was not volunteering to do it. Like, fuck. He's like, he's like, I'm up. The engineer was like, I'm up here. He's like, you're an enlisted man. Like, you're going. When he worked with the reactor, like that was his. Um, That's fucking crazy, but damn. In nineteen, okay, nineteen eighty six. What a fucking crazy year! the The Challenger happened in January of that year. Mm, mm-hmm. Um. And Rocky Four happened the year <laughs> earlier. <laughs> Everything comes back to Rocky Four. But uh, um, I I've never heard of this. I know, and, and until you, Teddy had mentioned it, yeah. And can you imagine, Teddy's in the Navy. This is happening mm-hmm. just a couple hundred miles away. I'm sure they're on full fucking alert. She she was posted a few hundred miles away, and her job was to monitor stuff. Yeah, was to monitor that. Yeah. She's like, I've got one. Oh, and the reactors uh, uh-huh. might fail. Uh-huh. Jesus I Christ. I bet Teddy has so many good stories. Fuck yeah. She probably does just from being a mailman. Or yeah. a male person. Male carrier. Male carrier. Female male carrier. I'm sure she has plenty of stories she can't tell us. <laughs> well, <laughs> this, this this probably being one of them. Well, for a long time, she probably couldn't say anything because yeah. it was classified. All she can probably say is, I was there, and this happened, and that's fucking probably it. Yeah? Yeah? Like, <laughs> like no details. Like she's not going to break down what their protocol was. Yeah, but yeah. I'm sure it was freaking full-scale, oh, like, yeah. What the fuck are we going to do if there's a nuclear meltdown in the, in the ocean? ocean? And if anybody had even thought that that was possible, that's a, that's a whole other... It's crazy. It, it's just... I, I thought... so. It's just before Chernobyl. Just before it. What year was it? Chernobyl was 87, January. Was it 87? I, I thought it was... Or was it 86? <laughs> Damn it. It was. It was 86. It was 86 or something. I literally spent so long... Hold on. 
I spent so long. I think we both tried to like erase that from our. I know. April 26th, 86. Oh my fucking God. It was a crazy year. Now they're about to have a submarine that has a fucking nuclear meltdown. Three gigantic, or well, (laughs) two very well-known disasters in this that could have been pretty much the end of it all. Fuck, can you imagine that? Wow. Yeah. We think we live in crazy times now. The whole world might have come against the Soviet Union at that point and just taken it over and be like, obviously you guys don't know what the fuck you're doing. Like... (laughs) It's just astounding. So, yeah, 86 was a crazy year. Holy fuck. Yeah. I. So, thank you, Teddy. That Thank was you very a story. much. That was a fascinating story. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. And. Of, of the, the disaster that could have been so much worse. How only six people died. Well, you know how is, only six people died? One of the people who did die. And, and another person yeah. who also, like, put themselves in danger. There's there's a lot of honor in that type of bravery. That's that's a very selfless bravery. Just the bravery. fact that how everybody did not die is like I I keep waiting for that, but because we give the death toll you early know, on, it's not, yeah. but it's just like how did those other people survive? Yeah. And somehow this captain got the submarine mm-hmm. to surface, and then somehow. got accused of treason. Got treason <laughs> and all kinds of shit that he didn't deserve. Wow. So. At least I'm glad he. Uh, what a story! I'm glad he won his lawsuit against Rutger Hauer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you had to, and Martin Sheen. If you had to cast somebody to play you in a movie. Wow, that's something I've never thought of. Really, it's kind of like no, one no. of those icebreaker questions or whatever. I've been told I look like Hilary Swank, looks wise, and she's a good actor, so I'd be okay with that. Um, who's the who's the British actor that I've been told that I Jeremy like? Renner. I've gotten him, but yeah. I've gotten somebody else. Really? Um, he was in the new X Men movies. What the fuck is oh, it? God, James I... McAvoy. I've oh, got yeah, I've gotten yeah, that yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. So I guess it'd be one of the two of them. Yeah. It'd be both of them together. A love a story starring Hilary Swank and James McAvoy. <laughs> <laughs> or Jeremy Renner. Or Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner's like the third wheel. <laughs> Or is it James McAvoy that's the third wheel? We don't know. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Inane banter, but... Sorry. Obviously, when we talk about our world coming to the brink of nuclear meltdown... It's fun to think of who would play you in a movie. Yeah. And do you think about that at home? Think about that right now. Yeah, let us know. Who would yes. play you in a movie? Jeff, while you're flossing, think about who would play you in a movie. <laughs> Aubrey, who would play you in a movie? I would be interested in that. Because she's a friend. She's got the eyes of a Zoe Deschanel, but she's not half as a... She's not, she's not obnoxious, period. <laughs> I was going to say she's not half as obnoxious, but that's a fucking insult. She's you just are not that. obnoxious at all. <laughs> Aubrey, my friend. Zoe Deschanel's really obnoxious. She me, is. So. Yes. Yeah. Well, having said all that, this is probably where <laughs> we should end it. We should probably stop now. Yes. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And we'll see you next week.